podcast is part of the Sports Social Podcast Network. You're listening to that Chelsea podcast, episode 36. Wake me up when the whistle blows. Yes, only Giroud! Giroud, yes! Come on, get in! I'm joined by Jack Davies. As always, how are we doing, fella? Yeah, not bad. Woken up after that. Um, another big six game disappointing everyone. Yeah, it wasn't the most inspiring game after our sort of brilliant win in midweek, which we'll get on to in a sec. But returning to the podcast, you know, it's been a while since he's been on. But Dean Mears, welcome back to the show, fella. How are we doing? Yeah, good, thanks, mate. How are you? Yeah, I'm not too bad. I'm not too bad, sir. And joining Dean for the first time on the pod, you will, like Dean, you'll be familiar with him from the Chelsea Fancast. We've got Dane Whittle. Dane, how are we doing, sir? Yeah, evening, Jack. Evening, Nick. Yeah, thanks for having me. We've, we've obviously interacted through uh, Instagram accounts, so we uh, sort of know each other. But it's funny, nice to see each other, be it via Zoom. It's also a pleasure to spend more time with Dean, which is becoming quite regular now. Yeah. My wife's getting suspicious, Dane. <laughs> <laughs> As always with our guests, I get them to sort of plug their socials and tell us about sort of what they're about and the content they're about. So, Dean, I'll let you go first. What what can people, where can people find you on Twitter and what is the content you're putting out there? Yeah. You can find me at Dean Mears. Um, the tweets you can take or leave, really. Um, I write for the Chelsea Fancast as well as um, podcast with them. I also have my own podcast on Chelsea Women, which is at Went to Mo Kings Meadow. Uh, at Mokings Meadow is the actual Twitter up for that. Um, and I'm starting a column as well for the CFCW social. Um, that is a Chelsea women's column as well. So, yeah, here, there and everywhere, really. Yeah, fair enough. And Dane, where can people find you on Twitter? And what about, what about the content you're putting out there, I guess, or being part of? Well, just listening to Dean, you can see why I'm starting to nickname him Pucker Pies, can't you? He's got his little fingers in so many different pies. He's uh... a... <laughs> <laughs> yeah, well, obviously, I'm on Twitter at uh, uh, dwit9. My content is a bit mixed. It isn't all about Chelsea. I'm very, very sporting guy. I watch a lot of sports. Uh, might, might be a bit Americanized for some for some viewers. Uh, and on Instagram, again, it's just a dwit09. Uh, regarding the Chelsea fan cast, I've always been quite friendly with Chidge over the last three or four years. You know, back and forth DMs. Uh, we met each other quite a few times in Lecoq before games. And uh, he was, it, I was just talking about Instagram being once, and he was saying, oh, you know, he hasn't got time for it with the, uh, you know, with the Chelsea fan cast. So I said, you know, I, might, I don't mind doing it if you need a bit of help. So I was doing that for quite a while. It was, uh, you know, it was quite a low 400 followers. We've got it up to over a thousand, which I'm actually quite proud of. And uh, then he said, you know, seeing as you're doing Instagram, would you like to come on the, uh, you know, the show and do a couple of, you know, Monday night shows, which I was a bit weary of because, uh, I, you know, it's, sometimes it could be all stats and people with too much knowledge. But he said, no, I just like it being, uh, you know, like a couple of guys at a pub, you know, there's no pressure. We're just talking normally. So he said, come on and uh, have a good time. It's gone on from there, really, and uh, really enjoyed it. It's led me to meet really nice people, you know, like Dean, who's then invited me on to his 
went to Mo King's Meadow podcast, which obviously I really enjoy because I watch the women as well. And, you know, it's let me interact with lots of people all over the globe, including obviously you two a little bit closer to home. And now to come on and make a debut on your podcast, which is, you know, it's a pleasure and an honour. Very well said there, Dane. Yep, as I said, all their socials and links will be in the description below. Make sure you check them out and say, if you're a fan of Chelsea women, it's kind of perhaps a niche market, not a huge amount of content out there. Dean's podcast is certainly probably one of the leading podcasts out there for you guys to go and check out. So make sure you check it out. And always, as always, check out the Chelsea fan cast. Uh, right. For the dull nil-nil today, we actually had a huge result midweek. Jack, Atletico Madrid, 1-0. Poor. One of our biggest results probably in Europe since in, yeah. years. A long time since. What is it? We haven't won a knockout tie in like seven years or something. So it, it was a nice, nice feeling to get a big, a big uh, Champions League win, especially away from home. It's probably one of those you look at and say it's a top quality, top quality perform- performance away from home. Got the away goal, managed to keep them at bay. They didn't really offer much at all. Uh, from what I saw anyway. Um, and it's in our hands at the end of the day. If we if we don't go and uh, win this and go through to the next round, we're only going to have ourselves to blame because we should be in the next round of a hat. Yeah. Uh, Dean, Ollie Giroud, he's quite good, isn't he? Still got it. Yeah. Uh, yeah Talk, talk, talk to me about sort of his goal. I guess his performance overall in midweek. I, I prefer him to Tammy like so much because he's just got you know, a footballing brain, and you know you can play off him. Players can interact with him, play the one twos, and obviously to have the awareness to sort of get that finish when the ball just sort of looped up. None of our other strikers would have even attempted to get off the ground to do that, and you know a great goal, and that's obviously put us in a fantastic position to go forward into, into the next round, as Jack said. Yeah, uh, Dane, obviously, you know, I guess we've sort of, well, we've seen a sort of resurgence for certain characters like Antonio Rudiger, Andreas Chris, uh, yeah, and Andreas Christensen. You know, we have sort of perhaps maybe some people have been wary of of them coming up against top opposition, but against, you know, a decent, a good Atletico side, Rudiger and Christensen did well keeping Suarez and Jao Felix relatively quiet that night, didn't they? Yeah, yeah. So obviously we can talk all day and it's, probably old conversation about certain players you know down in tools or not performing or some you know really lackluster performances under Frank but we can only judge them on what we're seeing now uh, and they've been fantastic Rudiger has been been immense apart from that one little mistake at Sheffield United uh, this formation under Tuchel really you know really suits Christensen as well which would be a tough decision for uh, Tuchel when uh, Thiago Silva's back fit because he, you know, he's looked really good in that. You know, he, he strides. He looks very confident. Strides out from the back. You know, can can pass it left or right, and then sits back in for the next attack. Uh, yeah, they were really good. You know, uh, I don't want to downplay the, you know, really too much into how strong the Spanish league is, but I, I you know, you can only as a judge of what you see and, and, and who we play against. And it was a great performance, you know, defensively, very good. The midfield was very good. We snuffed them out and uh, yeah, you can, we can, all we can do is praise them. Yeah. Jack, so the Jovacic duo, again, you know, apart from maybe, I, I to be fair, it's not even just labelled Jorginho because I don't know how many times I got frustrated our, uh, our final third passing, but, you know, another solid showing from that midfield duo. Yeah. 
and we I said it before he's gonna he's gonna play those two. He was looked like he was resting Jorginho for that, and again we've said it before. You just got to give them credit; they were quality in there, um, especially um, Kovacic as well. I think he was he was trying to play more balls into that final third. Um, I saw something that he he played as many as the whole Atletico Madrid team or something like that. So it shows he's trying to progress that part of his game, but it's, it's still something he needs to improve on massively. But yeah, no, brilliant from those two again. And like I said earlier, it's great, great away performance. Um, the only thing you probably might say, if you're sort of going to put a bit of a downer on it, is that, Again, it, it's a special moment that's had to win us that game and we're not clinical. Or creating a huge amount. Um, Dean, obviously, I guess the big question was what would happen with Callum after you know he was subbed off against Southampton, but Tuchel trusted him in that wing-back role and I thought, you know, on the whole, he was, he was pretty solid. Yeah, I think he responded the way we sort of wanted him to respond. I didn't have any doubts that you know, Tuchel wouldn't play him in the game. I think he sort of expressed that he wasn't doing what he was asked to do in a different position. And at Wimback, I think he's been he'd been very good. And you know, he continued to make strides under under Tuchel and hopefully, you know, we'll start to see the best of him because you know people rate him so highly across Europe, not just inside Chelsea. And if we can get, you know, him creating, you know, that's some way to solving the problems that we have got going forward. Yeah. I guess, Dane, Mason Mount unfortunately got a booking early on and that means he'll miss the second leg. But, you know, for me anyway, that sort of felt like sort of quite a big performance from Mason that they came in the Champions League because while we've seen his quality in the Premier League and FA Cup in certain games, I think perhaps for Champions League, we've not quite seen the best of Mason, but I thought, you know, he was in a, a phenomenal show from him midweek. Yeah, it was a brilliant show and it's, it's ironic and I've been saying a lot recently, but the most criticised player of Chelsea Football Club is could be our best player at the moment. He is, he is. I, I feel a little bit sorry. Well, not sorry for him. He, I think he's being asked to play a different type of game now, which which doesn't show completely all his all his all his attributes. You know, I think ideally he's like a number eight. You know, he's been asked to do a, a job higher up the field, but he's doing it brilliantly. Uh, and he, yeah, he's an immense player. You know, a future captain, hopefully. Uh, there's nothing you can. It's so many people praise him as well. I can't. I, uh, I think I saw a tweet the other day that someone said, uh, "If you rate Mason Mount, maybe different wording. If you rate Mason Mount, but you know nothing about football." Then someone replied with the list of all the big names within the football game who rate him, and it was everyone from Messi to Guardiola to Klopp, obviously Lampard. And it, it was quite embarrassing to say, you know, all the all the stars <laughs> that liked him, but you know, probably. Without you know being criticised of how you watch the game, you know if you can't see how how, how important he is to this team, then yeah, I don't know what you're watching. But yeah, he, is, yeah. he had, had a great great game in midweek. Yeah, that's very well said. I think that Mason, you know, continues sort of to prove the doubt is wrong. Not that again he really needs to because he's still shining, and you know we all know how crucial to he is to he is to this team. As said, Dean's all touched on. Oli Giroud's goal, but what I'll do, boys, I haven't asked you, what was sort of your your reaction to to when it, you know, when VAR gave the goal? Because Jack will know from my from our group chat, I got quite excited. That was probably the first time I've celebrated a goal like I was at the football in all this time we've been watching 
football on a TV. So, Dean, what was your reaction when Giroud scored? Well, mine has to be a quiet reaction because I have a like, young child asleep at that time of night. But I was shocked that it went. It was so shocked that they um they gave the goal. Just sort of sat there in sort of stunned silence, really, that um it was given because he first looking it just looked offside. So I was too busy tweeting that like it'd be a crime against humanity to rule out that goal for a thirty-four-year-old to even sort of notice that um the ball came off the defender. Yeah, it would have been a wild one if he was at the ground or even the pub, maybe. Yeah. Dane? Yeah, uh, he has got that in his locker. He has done that a few times over the years. I've seen a couple for France and, and Arsenal. But it was, it, was, uh, it was more on the case of, oh, yeah, that's offside. Wait there. <laughs> Wait, that's... No, he's touched it. That's a goal. That's a, that's a goal. That's a goal. You know, like shouting. And, like, and when it obviously gave it, uh, it was... Uh, it was brilliant. I bet it's, again, it's this freaking VAR, and it's I remember fun, yeah. sometime last season was it he scored, a, and I haven't. I've only walked out of Chelsea. You know, been I know what game you're going to refer to here. Season older, thirty years over thirty years, and I've walked out twice, and I've regretted it both times. I think once we was losing to Man United five nil, and I think we got three quite late goals, and uh, we, we ended up losing five three, but. Uh, I wasn't proud of myself. And yeah, last season when he scored a disallowed goal, but it was just accumulation of, of bad decisions in that whole game. And uh, yeah, VAR disallowed it. And then I just I had enough of this, the, the, the state of football <laughs> at the moment and walked out. Uh, but so the VAR does does muck you up. But now when when, when you think it isn't, the decision isn't going your way and then, and then they slow it down, you're like, oh, what? no, 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 look, 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 look at it. And it, yeah, it's, so it has its pluses, I suppose. Yeah, it helped us out. Helped us out then, yeah, didn't massively, it? But yeah, massively. I think it was one of those. It's just confusing as usual. I don't. Well, on my, on my screen on BT, they weren't even showing the replay at first. So you you're just sitting there. They're like focusing on the players, just thinking, what are they even looking at? They weren't showing anything. But well, I thought he, as, I thought he knew it was offside, Jack. That's why he so yeah, can't true, be yeah. for an overhead kick. Yeah, yeah. Like, you know <laughs> why not? Just might as well. Uh, yeah. <laughs> I thought he knew it was offside, so it was wow, massive, you know, brilliant on him. Yeah, that was a huge, huge result for Chelsea midweek. And as I said, we dealt with, you know, what Atletico threw at us. And now we're in a strong position to qualify and get past a round of 16 for the first time since 2014. So fingers crossed we do the job in the second leg. But unfortunately, we've just come off the back of a rather dull I think that was probably the kindest way to sort of describe our game against Manchester United. The dull, nil-nil. Jack, just quick thoughts just on the game. Just, ugh. Uh, yeah, not not much to say, really. I mean, both teams, both teams did well to sort of cancel each other out. I thought the first 20 minutes or so was really bright. It looked like it was going to be a good game. Um, but then... Yeah, I mean they they got on top of us a bit in the in the end of that first half, um, but overall we you'd say again we probably controlled the game, but it's again not creating enough chances, not being clinical. Ziyech probably should have scored. If that's Giroud there on his left foot, you'd probably back him to slot that in the back of the net. Um, but it's a good it's not a good result. I mean we. We need to be winning that, if you ask me, to to close that gap on the others. Um, they they'll definitely take that, especially when you look at their results against the big six. They just seem to be going for nil nils every single game. 
but it's just one of those you you take it and we'll go on to the next one. Yeah, exactly. I guess the main thing is we didn't lose ground on Manchester United. Mm. Uh, Dean, I'll go to you. Moment of controversy. Handball not given on Cam Hudson. When they went to the monitor, I'm not going to lie, I had that sinking feeling because more often than not, when the referee goes to the monitor, he changes his mind. Pen or no pen for you? Oh, no pen. Never a pen. I don't even know what the rule of the law is now, but he's, it's not handball, is it? He's not pushed it out of the way so he can't get to the ball. He's, he should be waving the free kick in the first place because Tom and A just completely fly kicked Mason Mount. And then the ref gave it to him. And I don't know yeah. what Carlton is supposed to do in that situation when he's going up to challenge a player. You have to put your arm there, otherwise you get pushed over. Mm-hmm. And the ball just flicks up, hits, then hits Greenwood on the arm as well. It's just one of those things that happen. I'm not sure on the law anymore. They keep changing it every five minutes. If it touches it, you know, it's got to be deliberate for me, and it definitely wasn't. Fair enough. Dane, your thoughts on the pen or the non-pen? Well, I was expecting it to be given. I thought once he went to the to the screen, I was I was like, here we are. But again, you sort of get mesmerised by what Tuchel said afterwards, and what well, Ollie. I mean, you start to question your own eyes and your own mindset. Cause you're like, okay, well, is it a penalty or not? You know, one saying it hit Greenwood's obviously biased to to each club. One saying it hits Greenwood's arm first, and it's Callum's arm. And it, even the, the studio, you know, the guests in the studio couldn't decide on it. I was just glad it wasn't given because I was expecting him to, to give it and Fernandez his smug face just to take the ball and put it in the bottom corner. Yeah. Jack, pen or no pen? Uh, same as Dane. I thought it 100% would be given then. thought that was curtains as soon as he walked over to that monitor. Um, and like Dean said, it's one of those that both of them are sort of grappling each other to get towards the ball and it bounced off his arm. Um, it, it's one of those, if if it was the opposite team and I'm watching the replay, I'll be screaming at the TV saying it's a, it's a penalty. But it's luckily it's it's gone for us and it wasn't given today. Yeah, maybe, maybe that decision equaled out from earlier on in the season when we should have a clear Stonewall penalty at Old Trafford. So maybe, <laughs> maybe... We got away with one there. But first place I want to focus on is a very interesting when the lineup came out, Hakim Ziyech got a start. You know, I thought he was decent against Atletico midweek when he came on. Not outstanding, but he sort of was decent. Dean, what did you make of Hakim Ziyech's performance today? And did he really press his case to be getting more chances under Thomas Tuchel? I think he started very well. I know Jack mentioned the first 15 minutes. I think he was involved quite quite heavily then linking up with Giroud and Mason in particular. And then he sort of did a disappearing act again for the rest of the, the first half. And the beginning of the second, it just looked like he didn't want to be out there. He doesn't want the fight, doesn't want the battle, doesn't like the physicality, not getting used to it. He's not getting the time. And then to be fair to him, I thought he actually come back into the game again. Maybe when it sort of it settled down a bit, some space started opening up. It wasn't so you know, tight and congested in that midfield when he's able to get his foot on the ball, obviously he's a very good footballer. Um, when it's tight and teams are on him, I don't think he wants it. And I don't know if he's going to adapt to that or not. But oh, would I start him? Probably not. I think there's other players in there that, that do more than him for the whole game. But you know, definitely someone to have on the bench to bring on at, at this minute anyway. Yeah, Dane, I guess he had arguably our best chance of the game that Chilwell putting ball across and Ziyech. Unfortunately, well, I think, you know, 
he got good connection. Should he place it there? That's arguably questionable. De Gea with a phenomenal save, but Akin Ziyech today just a bit better than what we've seen recently, but not really enough. Well, like Dean, I thought he had a better second half. You know, the first half he got, got caught in possession in dangerous situations a few times, which put us and the defence under pressure. I say in his, in his defence, though, his game is all about the movement and space and pace in front of him. And Drew doesn't run for obvious reasons. Uh, Mount, although he's a willing runner, he's not an attacking runner. And Callum was quite w- wide. So Ziyech gets caught in the ball because he, he sort of looks up and sees what he's got in front of him, you know, stutters, and then he loses possession. Like Dean sort of said, you know, maybe he should be left on the bench for certain situations. He should he should be in that team if you've got pace and movement ahead of him. If you've got a non-form Werner, a non-form Pulisic, maybe a Havertz. If he's got the pace, if you look at him early on in the season when Werner was making those diagonal runs and ZX, some of the balls he was spreading from right to left and putting over the top for one-on-ones was, was amazing. You know, people's nickname in the, in the wizard, but now he's just getting caught in possession because he hasn't got the runners. Yeah, Jack, you know, we did see a half-time sub. I'll be honest, I thought it would be uh, it would be ZH coming off due to just how ineffective he was at the end of the first half. But it was Callum. Was that, you know, a fair enough decision given, I guess, how United sort of started to dominate the last 10 minutes of that half and Rashford sort of grew into the game a bit more? Um, yeah, possibly. I mean, you you can, like Gary and Martin in the uh, in the studio sort of rinsing him a bit and then you see the images of his him his leg all strapped up so it looks like it was an injury and precaution taking him on uh taking him off um but I thought Reese Reese came in and did a decent job um especially with those free kicks later on in the game uh putting some wonderful crosses and honestly how no one is even getting within three or four yards of that ball putting any sort of challenge uh towards it is completely beyond me it's an absolute joke um i know we're not the tallest team but how no one's near that ball um he, he couldn't place it any better and put it on put it on a plate yeah no i think that's fair enough uh i guess one of the changes we saw was that Jorginho was out and ngolo kante was back in dean he was probably, Mars one of our best players on the pitch today. But what did you sort of make of the impact he made on the team today in helping in the midfield battle? Yeah, obviously, with you know, Bruno being United's you know, vocal point in what they do, you know, I think it's important to have someone you know, to be able to keep up with him and, and stifle him out of the game. And I think he did that uh, very well. Having said that, I think we did miss Jorginho's presence today in the team to sort of have control of the game for a bit. It was so scrappy and United were able to get the ball very often because once we've sort of got it in that midfield pivot, you know, Kante and Kovacic, they're trying to get away from it as quickly as they can because they don't really want the ball. Um, they want to get rid of it, whereas Jorginho, someone that recycles the possession, is fitting Kante in the team though because he's one of the only world-class players that we've got and he offers so much to this team. I don't know what the answer is for that. You know, that's something that, that Tuchel needs to, to work out but I don't think having him in a double pivot is the answer for our team anyway. Fair enough. First, I'll go, Dane, would you agree? But you also think that perhaps, perhaps noticeable that we actually, you know, towards the end of the game, especially we were winning the ball back quite a lot and he can say was quite responsible for that. And also his key interception at the end, you know, stuck, uh, 
cutting out that McTominay dangerous ball across our goal. Yeah, yeah, we've been seeing that for a couple of seasons. We've, you know, that, that's one of his, 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 his many qualities. Uh, like Dean, I'm not a, uh, you know, about the, the double six, you know, the pivot. I'm not a big fan of it. I think also like Dean, even though as I, I'm not a big fan of it, I think uh, Jorginho would suit Kante better because Kante likes to roam to an extent, put, put the press on, put the pressure on, where Jorginho just sits there. But with Kova and uh, Kante, there is sometimes a bit of a gap and they both sort of go and, and then Kante tries to sit or, or vice versa. I think sometimes Kante, you know, he needs to stick what he's really good at. Sometimes he gives the ball away uh, when he's trying too hard, too much. You know, I always find with him anything more than a 10-yard pass is a risk and he ends up giving the ball away. Uh, but, you know, that's me being picky. Uh, he, he was brilliant today. He, you know, he snuffed out, uh, you know, a lot of the counter attacks, which could have looked more dangerous. But because he'd done his job early on, it, you know, it never alluded to much. As I said, when he sticks to those little five yard passes and just lets someone else, you know, take over, he's he's so much better. But again, his energy and his pressing was was really good today. Yeah, Jack. In general, I thought, you know, our whole our whole backline was really solid today, apart from maybe re switching off switching off one. So I don't think our backline really got caused any troubles and they dealt with the threats well and Antonio Rudiger's ball distribution yeah and, and him getting forward as well Jesus I thought it was going to be like Zuma against Ajax all over again running through the whole team but um, it, it's brilliant to see that some of those players having having a resurgence um, especially Christensen as well I think I honestly think he's been quality the last few games um, we know he's more suited to playing in, in a back three than a back four um, but his his technique and his calmness on the ball is is really good, and especially having played someone like a Suarez the other day, and then some more quality players, and and the, all of those defenders coming up trumps again uh, is brilliant to see. And then Chile as well, nice to see him get a get an opportunity today. Um, thought he did all right, I think. From me watching it, sometimes I would have liked him to get a bit higher um, and like take people on. Uh, every single time it seemed to get switched to him, his first touch with his left foot back towards our own goal, and we're playing then having to play it back round again. Sometimes he's just got to take that and go on. I know maybe he doesn't want to do that and lose the ball, lose possession, etc. But that's something I think he can improve on. Although that when he did get forward, like you saw that cross Vizier was brilliant so we just need to see more of that from him yeah and I think Eddie Mendy you know did what was asked you know in a good save especially I can't remember who it was from but you know went through no, quite a lot of bodies yeah, yeah didn't get to see a huge amount of it and again I think you know our defence dealt with it on the whole pretty good um, right I guess move on to some questions first question comes in from RJ is is a two part here? He goes, who were your top three players from this game? So, Dean, who were your top three players from this game? Uh, Christiansen, Rudiger, and Mount. Probably not a very yeah. interesting selection or attacking selection, but I suppose that <laughs> shows what sort of game it was. Fair enough, Dane. Uh, as Dean will probably let you know, I, I always end up giving more than one answer because I can never. <laughs> so I'd say, I'd say uh, 
you can take one from Dave Christensen as Rudiger because it'd be unfair to give it to all three of them. I thought I was a little bit more positive on Chill World than maybe you, Jack. I, I thought, you know, he's been discarded a lot recently and I thought he came in and done really well against, you know, fast, dangerous players. And he is our future. I get why we're playing mm -hmm. Alonso. You know, he's so solid as a left wing back, but he might have got ripped to shreds today. Uh, uh, Chilwell's our future, so Tuchel really needs to be careful with him and like, give him the confidence and show him that, you know, he trusts him. So I'm going to say, obviously, one of Dave Christensen and Rudiger. Uh, I'm going to go for Chilwell. And my third choice is, is either Kovacic or Kante. Uh, again, Kovacic, because even though he has me sometimes winced him because he's so good at turning on a sixpence and moving like 10 yards, but you think someone's just going to take it off him. But he, again, he done it so successfully today and then passed the ball off. So I, I was really impressed with Kovacic today. Fair enough. Jack, who are your top three players from this game? Um, I think I'll say Christensen, Azpi and, and Kante just for doing what he does. Yeah, fair enough. I think Dean's going to be the only one who's got Mountain is top three, which I guess just shows, you know, the standards or we've come to expect from Mason Mount today, whereas I thought he was solid but not spectacular. My top three, I'd go Rudiger or the Ebony Beckenbauer, as Jordan calls him, um, his ball distribution today with someone else. I think N'Golo Kante's got to be in there because he, he helped us massively. And then, yeah, I'm going to go Andreas Christensen. Not, not been a fan of him. For a while, I'm not sure he's been good enough, but credit to him, he's been, you know, a revelation in this back three. And I think, you know, the fact that we're sort of giving it to to our defenders or, you know, and midfield kind of says a lot about the state of this game. But I think, you know, they were probably some of our best players. Uh, the second part of RJ's question is, do you think he'll maintain this approach for the Liverpool game? So... Dean, I guess, you know, we were probably the more, we were certainly the side going for it more than Manchester United, especially towards the end. Do you think we'll see a similar approach for the Liverpool game? Uh, probably. I mean, Liverpool are a team that can be got at, I think, at the moment. So I don't think we should go there and be, be scared of them. I think it'd be interesting to see what front three picks in, so the striker and the two tens. I'd definitely stick with three at the back with the wing backs and the, the two midfield. Whether he goes with a you know, false nine against Liverpool and, and try and use some pace for once, um, or sticks with sort of Giroud and uses a target, but you know, I think he's going to try and play with the ball. Then that's what he wants to do. He's not going to want to sit back and, and let teams have possession against us because you know that's when teams score when they have the ball, and that's you know, a simple philosophy. I think that he, he holds at this moment in time anyway. Fair enough, Dane. So. Tuchel hinted sort of earlier, but Timo Werner was rested with Liverpool in mind. So do you think maybe we see him for Giroud or do we see him perhaps playing off Giroud like we've seen sort of so far under him? Well, I think uh, Liverpool will be the first team that actually, you know, will have some space with, you know, that will attack us. I think United were very smart today. I think as soon as they saw Giroud was playing... We expected United to sit back and hit us on the counter-attack. But once they saw, of, uh, so by pressing us and pressing us well, they surprised us. You know, once Giroud come off, they then very smartly sat back. So there, was that, there wasn't that space that there was in the first half. You know, uh, so I think against Liverpool, he will keep the same formation. I think he's going to be keeping this uh, unless it goes drastically wrong until the end of the season. 
Liverpool, there should be more space. You know, they're not going to play a cat and mouse game. They're, they're going to want to go after us because they're going to want the three points, which might suit a, a you know, a Pulisic, a Werner. Uh, he's probably going to play Mount still, isn't he? So Pulisic on the Werner on, on, on the counter-attack for us to manipulate their space or maybe another Havertz as a false nine. I didn't like the Ziyech or Pulisic or whoever they've tried to play the false nine for that 10 or 15 minutes. Uh I think, uh, yeah, Thursday would be in, would be a really interesting game. I was hoping four points out of the next two games, but that that was me with me expecting us to beat United. So I'm hoping, you know, we we pull out a really good performance on Thursday. Yeah, fair enough, Jack. Do you reckon we see N'Golo Kante starting midfield again? I mean, I've said it before. I think there's pros of playing Jorginho and Cover, and you've seen how well they've done, but the qualities that Kante brings to this team, I just don't see how how you can leave him out, really. I know his ball distribution's not the best, etc., but the amount of turnovers that him and Cover had today was was crazy. So, especially against a team like Liverpool, where they attack us, then we, if he, he can turn the ball over, make interceptions, and we can be a bit more clinical in front of goal and create these chances, then I think he, he should start... Um, and going on to that, it's a massive game. Um, it's one that you can see Liverpool will be giving it to us as well because that's this is a massive game for the top four. Um, so they, they're not going to sit back at all. So hopefully it'll be a good game and hopefully not another nil-nil. Yeah, although I guess, you know, trying to stay ahead of Liverpool in a nil-nil, perhaps not the worst result. But I think we've seen so far under Thomas Tuchel that the way he wants to play, he wants to, to go for it and try and play on the front foot. Obviously, you know, he's a tactically wise coach. We've shown, he's sort of shown us with his halftime subs, etc. subbing off subs that he, you know, if he's not getting what he wants, he'll make a change. I think it will be a similar-ish approach, you know, but I do think perhaps we will see a bit more, a bit more pace in this team. I think one thing you could maybe say, Dave, was there was certainly a lack of pace or attacking wise anyway, Giroud, with Giroud and Ziyech playing today so I think we will see Werner playing and I think you know Liverpool will create will leave chances they're not that defensively solid they can be picked off we've seen what Leicester did to them the other week we have seen other teams picking them off if they make a mistake so it's up to us to capitalise on that I guess so yeah that is hopefully we answered your question there RJ. Next question comes in from Jordan he goes thoughts on the resurgence of both Andreas Christensen and Antonio Rudiger Dean, as we said, we sort of touched upon earlier, they've both been pretty impressive so far under Thomas Tuchel. Yeah, well, back three defenders playing well on a back three. It's not very surprising to me. Um, Christiansen I've always liked, but when people are allowed to get physical against him, obviously he's not the biggest uh, bloke on the pitch and he's going to struggle. You know, there's a reason that the club won't sell him and that's because he'll go abroad and become a 60, 70 million pound defender because he's the quality that he's got. If we can harness that in the Premier League as we have been doing, then you know I think he's a terrific player. Rudiger is is a decent centre half. I don't think he's he's the best out there. But again, in a three, you're sort of protected by two other teammates behind you and a wing back that's not too far ahead of you either. So he's been able to sort of step out with the ball as we've seen recently and sort of show his distribution because I know he's played right back before for for Germany. So He's got to have some ability on the ball, not just a hoof it. 
you know, and, and that's the reason we're not seeing Katazumas because he's no good with the ball at his feet. You know, he's a defender's defender, just defends, and that's why Mourinho likes him so much because he just gets the ball out. Um, you know, whether he sticks with a back three next year or not is a different question. But if he if he wants to move to a back four, then he needs to sign two new centre defenders. Yeah. Then I guess the biggest positive of their showing is also as it's shown, but we've not actually missed Thiago Silva in these, mm-hmm. you know, really big games. Whereas before we'd be, you know, terrified of before facing up against these top sides without Thiago Silva in our side. Yeah, well, like Dean said, you know, Rudiger and Christensen really suit a back three, you know, without opening too many cupboards to look for skeletons. Uh I never I didn't really believe all the Rudiger fuss when when and I was a big, you know, supporter of Frank Stein. When Frank left, I just didn't, I couldn't imagine Rudiger going up to anyone and, you know, and slagging off, off people. I always thought he was, you know, in a back four, maybe he's a better right back going on his days in, in Italy and uh, and for the German national team. But he is suited to a back three like Christensen. Some of Christensen's amazing performances, I remember under Conte when we beat Tottenham away 2-1, Christensen was immense under a very physical uh Harry Kane and again you know also like Dean said you know Tuchel has come in he's looked at the players he's looked at positions he looks at who's good good for where and he's is it smart or not he's come out and said okay we're going to play three at the back with wing backs you know suits Alonso suits Rudiger suits Christensen suits Dave you know him as a right centre back is so much more better than him as a right and a four we're not seeing what we saw a couple of seasons ago under Conte where he'd get caught on a back post. I mean, I remember White Tottenham, Deli Alley caught him out twice uh, and scored goals. We're not seeing that. He's quite good in possession in, in, in a free as well, Dave. So, but yeah, you know, you can only pay, praise Rudiger and Christensen. They've been, they've been immense. The formation has allowed them to be good, but they've been, they've, they've had to add it to it with their performances as well. Very solid. Yeah. Next question comes in from Conarch. He goes, is there a solution to our final third issues within our team or do we again turn to the transfer window, Jack? <laughs> um, at this rate, I think we'll be turning to the transfer window because Tuchel will want to get the players that he wants. Um, but it's all it's all just down to form with these boys. Like You've seen, you've seen the Werners and the Havertz and the German League. You've seen how good they can be. Um, so it's just down to them at the end of the day to pick up their form and s- try and start firing on, on all cylinders. Um, but if we continue like this, this is going to be a big problem for us um, going for trophies and going for top four by the end of the season. I'll just kind of just throw Kamal's question into the mix with this one. It goes to, would Haaland solve our issues or is it a deeper issue than that, Dean? I'll give that to you. Um, interesting. I think he would solve some issues because you know he's a he's a goal scorer and a, and a clinical one. Um, I think there is more deeper issues. Whether he solves all of them or not, you know, I wouldn't really like to say. But you know what what Werner needs is a you know a big mobile centre forward that he can play off and get him behind off. Whether you can make Havertz that. In the meantime, so he's obviously big. He's like six three, I think. He's just huge. They can play him up up there as that striker because you know Tammy's big, but he's not intelligent. He's like Batshuayi, no brain cells. 
even though he scores goals. So well done, Tammy. Um, and Olivier is not mobile, so he is big, but he, he can't move. And that's the issue we saw today is that he's completely knackered from playing midweek. And he, no legs on him whatsoever. And that's why he can't get on the end of no crosses. Because he's two yards behind the play because he's trying to get his legs moving. Haaland, obviously, <laughs> the most informed striker in Europe, is going to score goals in the Premier League. You know, I think you know, got to go for it for him, I think. Fair enough. Dane, anything to add to Dean's points? I, I'm not getting sucked into Haaland again because uh, I like most, you know, uh, as I said, you know, I watch a lot of, of sports. You know, I did, I do watch a lot of the Bundesliga, you know. I, I like most saw Werner scoring goals week in, week out. Seeing Havertz play and, and, and really thought there'd be a success here. But it, it's a thought that I don't know if Tuchel... Being a manager if he and being offered Werner, whether he would have taken him because Werner is so much suited to a counter-attack game. Uh, at the moment, going back to your original point, at the moment, our formation and our possession game under Tuchel does not put us in enough good attacking positions and situations. So unless, as I said earlier, if he's just going to get this through to the end of the season and you're going to see his real formation, his real tactics and, and what he wants to go with, at the moment, Haaland wouldn't wouldn't suit us, he'd just be standing up there maybe with his hands on his hips as well, wondering where uh, a good assist was going to come from. But obviously if he's offered and we can get him, we're not going to turn it down. And I'm really interested to see what Tuchel does in the summer with our team going forward, you know, as I said, formations, tactics-wise. Because in this position, as I said, we don't make enough attacking uh, good decisions or attacking assists or or look like we're going to score one, let alone two or three. After kind of a follow-up to that comes in from Jay and Travis Jay mentions, you know, if that Tuchel's sort of defence, how do we progress and so I'd be attacking. Travis goes, how does Tuchel find a way to get the front three to play decisive final balls? Too often there is static moving and the wrong pass is made in the final third. Is it a manager system issue or is it also down to the limitations of the player? Then you were sort of talking, you sort of mentioned earlier about, you know, the system we're playing at the moment, you know, you mm. perhaps... Harlem might not still be that much more effective. So do you think it is down to, to the system or is it also, you know, play limitations or just a bit of everything? Well, as I said, he's tried to make us more solid. And it, again, sorry, I didn't mean, again, mention Frank, but under Frank, when we did play free as well, we did look fairly solid. But, you know, Tuchel's coming. He's, he's made us more solid. But, you know, it, whether he's playing Callum or Reese at right back, he's essentially he's playing seven defensive-esque players. That leaves... Uh, the three around the front and puts a lot of pressure on them. And as I said earlier, again, without repeating, I said, if you've got Giroud, who's who's not very mobile, if he is, then you need pace around him so they can run off him. Today, he had a willing runner in Mason, who's a 110% every game, works his his socks off. And Ziyech, who likes to drop deep, uh, put his foot on the ball and then play a fast ball over. There's an imbalance there. I'd like, I'd have always have Mason in my team. I don't know if I'd have him in that too, but you know, Tuchel knows he has to have him in there because he's, he's such a dangerous player. Can he play in, in, in the double six or, or a pivot? That's another question. Uh, but there's a lot of pressure on that three due to the uh, three at the top due to the formation. Fair enough. Dean, are we perhaps asking too much at times of Mason Mount and Hakim Ziyech to create this team? Obviously, you know, one of Mason, I think, is created our, you know, is our leads us in terms of chances created this season, albeit that can be boosted by the fact that he does also 
take corners, but are we asking too much of Mason, you know, to sort of carry this team forward? Yeah, because there should be other players on the pitch that can, you know, pick out a pass or deliver a good cross rather than just Mason. The good play we had today where Ziyech played to Drew back to Ziyech and he played through Mason and he's running through United's defence and there's nobody with him. He can't do anything with the ball apart from sort of run. And Mason's obviously fast, but he's not the fastest player that we've got. So he does get caught by defenders who are coming back. So, you know, it's a couple of situations today where he got towards in the penalty box. So then sort of nothing to do apart from be tackled or try and shoot, just got blocked. You know, what the best what we played under Tuchel was against Newcastle in the first half and we just was direct. We played the ball forward quickly and that's all they got to do is play the ball forward quickly. Get the wing backs up the pitch. You know, I think he's clipping them back a little bit, telling them to sit in a bit too much. You know, maybe that's why you can use Kante in the midfield pivot is to allow your full backs to um, the wing backs, sorry, to, to go forward. Because when they're getting the one twos with the striker, they're not having anywhere to play the ball apart from to the other number ten, who then has got three or four defenders near him. Because, like Dane said, we're playing with seven defensive players and three attackers, and there's no balance there. Whereas Sort of under Frank, we was the other way around. You know, three defenders and seven attackers, wondering why we were conceding goals every week. You know, but he's obviously an intelligent tactical manager. He's, he's got to work it out, surely. Yeah, fair enough. Jack, anything to add to those two points? I completely agree with the formation. It's like watching England as well when you're seeing uh, that many defensive players and the attacking talent that we've got. You want to try and see more of those boys on the pitch because then they can have an impact. Um, and I said it last week, I think we're we're too reliant on someone like Mason at the moment to try and create a bit of magic, try and take the game by the scruff of the neck. And at the end of the day, that goes down to players' poor form. You look at someone like Pulisic, I see people on Sky Sports say it all the time, like, oh, we should be playing, he's Chelsea's most dangerous player. But they haven't been watching the games. At the end of the day, he hasn't been good enough for us this season. I know, I know, he has the potential to be a quality player, but he hasn't he hasn't done anything this season for us. And those players need to take a look at themselves and actually try and step up and and be those difference makers um, going forward for us. Yeah, fair enough. Uh, so to answer sort of Travis's question, I think if you look back to sort of the last time we were effective. With a three at the back, we had, you know, certainly I think players of a wing-back role more suited to it. And perhaps in Alonso's case, also a younger, perhaps better version of Marcus Alonso from what we've got now. I think Chilwell is sort of getting used to the role. Again, I think I've said this before, as far as I'm aware, he's not really played as a wing-back before at Leicester much. And we've sort of been using Callum as a wing-back at times. And that's that's a new role for him, something he's getting used to. Um and unlike, you know, previous teams, I think Conte was quite good at, you know, at sometimes using Fabregas at times in that sort of midfield, that pivots to, to help with creativity. But yeah, I think at the moment there is, there's just too much reliance on, there's too much reliance on our wing-backs putting in a good cross like we saw with Callum putting that brilliant cross in the first half that Giroud couldn't quite get on the end of. And then it's all, a lot of it has been relying on Mason. And then, as we've seen sometimes, if you play... Werner off off Giroud as well. I think that puts even more pressure on Mason because I perhaps wouldn't have 
Timo Werner is maybe the most, you know, creative player in the Chelsea team. So I think, you know, I think I said this before, we're going to have um, issues like this, you know, till the end of the season where we, games are going to be frustrating. At times we're going to need moments of magic because ultimately I think he's used playing a free at the back to get the best out of the current squad of players we've got rather than, you know, looking to the future. And I think next year will be interesting to see what kind of formation we use. Final question comes in from Harry. He goes, where is the invention and creative magic? Uh, we can't talk to it, but Dean, you've got, like, we've got to be honest, you know, these last two games, we've not really created much. You know, we beat Affleck, as we said, with a wonder goal from Giroud. And apart from Hakim Ziyech's chance today, I can't think of us creating a huge amount in these last two games. Uh, well, where is it? It's on the bench, really. You know, the creative players are all sitting there on the bench because we're so worried about being beaten these days. And I you know, don't blame Tuchel for what he's sort of done when he's come in, but we're still not in the top four now. There's going to come a point where we're going to have to start going to win games um, and being on the, you know, on the front foot in a, an attacking sense. You know, we're keeping the ball because we don't want to concede, which is, you know, a clever idea in my opinion. You know, I've always wanted to see Chelsea be a team that, that has possession of the ball, but it's learning to do stuff with the ball. You know, having it for, for no reason it is, is pointless as we, as we saw today. Whether he gets Kante in and one of Georgina Kovacic out and then allows more creative players to play whether he puts a Pulisic as a left wing back then he's not really a defensive wing back he's more of a winger he's playing forward unless he if he's going to keep the three at the back then we're always going to be sort of negative going forward so to speak because people are sitting back and they're not pushing forward like you want them to yeah fair enough Dane um I guess, you know, is there, where does this creativity come from? Or is it just say, is it just going to be sort of perhaps, not, I don't want to say a painful watch from now till the end of the season, but certainly times, you know, a pretty frustrating watch, some games for Chelsea fans, you know, from now till the end of the season. Yeah, well, it's, it's clearly there, you know, we've got the, uh, the attacking talent, you know, Klopp said when, when Tuchel took over, it, wow, he's got so many gifts, he's got so many presents at his disposal, you know, he's a, he's a lucky man and a, and, and a great job to have. Again, I'm going to get I'm going to get out of the habit of saying you know when Frank was in charge, and I, instead I'll say earlier on in the season we was creating lots of chances. Uh, if you look at Werner, who was missing chances, other people say well at least he gets in the positions. You know he's not even getting in those positions now to miss those chances because the formation doesn't allow him to. So, you know, two call is, is probably going to be stuck. Well, I've, I've got us playing solidly at the moment. I've got us with some sort of vision. Now, do I change that or do I just see how we get on? Uh, you know, a bit like Dean, you know, said, you know, with Kante, maybe I, maybe I could say if we could try a four two three one. So he's still keeping us a little bit solid with the double six, but then he, get, he takes out one of the center backs and gives us a more attacking, options up front. Uh, Giroud will always be Giroud in any formation and lots of ex-footballers will always say it's the footballers, it's not the tactics. I think Giroud could play in any any situation, any formation, but the rest of the attacking players clearly can't are struggling in this system under Tuchel. So, as I said, he's, he's caught in a situation where he's going to have to try, try and change something to get us 
you know, playing more, making more chances, but you need those attacking players on the pitch. You know, if they're not on the pitch, then they can't make the chances and there's too much pressure on, on, on a certain few. Yeah. Jack, do you think, you know, perhaps despite the fact that we are unbeaten, but a change of formation is perhaps necessary for us to create more? Or did, at the same time, does that then just leave us open, you know, massively and, you know, the Jovicic pivot that, you know, has done, you know, pretty well so far. And then Vikante Kovacic, which has done seemingly okay so far. Does that make that not unfeasible, but a lot harder to work, given that we have also seen their struggles playing in front of a back four? Well, yeah, you, like we said, uh, Tuchel's just using that formation to get the best out of these players. If you, if we're going back to a back four and he's, he's playing a partnership of a, Rudiger and a Christensen or whatever, or Aspier right back where we've seen him struggle, then then we're going to start leaking goals again. So it's one of those in in hindsight, yes, you'd say change the formation to get these more attacking players on the pitch, but then we might see us conceding more goals again. Um, it's it's really difficult. It's it's hard to answer, and I just I just think watching us. At the end of the day, yes, these these attacking players, creative players, are on the bench and aren't being given the time to go and make an impact. But I just think we we are lacking match match winners at this club, people who can create that bit of magic and grab the grab the game by the scruff of the neck and go and win a game. Like I know today, Kante pocketed Fernando's completely played really well against him but on his day I know he scores a lot of penalties but he he's quality and then you see Man City have got just them in, in abundance with your Sterlings, De Bruyne's, Bernardo Silva, Gundogan etc and I just think we at the end of the day we lack it and when you see that our our top player with the most goal contributions is Timo Werner um, and the struggles he's had this season I think it just it says a lot and just shows that we are we're we're a long way off the top to be honest. Yeah, fair enough. I guess I'll just throw this question there for all of you. Would it be fair to say that we lack that Bruno type, that you know, that De Bruyne type, sort of someone that can create something out of nothing, or do we have that potentially in Kai Havertz? We just need to try and find a way of fitting him into the team. Dean, I'll go to you on that one. First, no, I think we have it in Havertz. In you know, Mason's got the ability, um, Hakim Jitch got the ability to create something out of nothing. I think Billy Gilmore further back has got the ability to make something out of nothing because he plays the long balls forward more than anyone else in, in our midfield. It's instructing them to do it, I suppose. You know, at the moment they're being told to, to keep possession, to keep things safe, and keep it tidy. They're not being told to sort of try and make something out of nothing to sort of do the things they were doing under Frank, as, as Dane likes to say. Um, you know, to take that chance and to try and make something happen because at the moment they're not, and that's why we're not creating nothing. And we're needing a Drew bicycle kick or a penalty to, to win football matches because they're not sort of sometimes you have to take a chance in football to, to make things happen out, out of nothing. and you know, first and foremost, he has to get the player on the pitch. Fair enough. Dane, anything to add to that? 
Yeah, no, I totally agree with, with with Dean again. You know, it's the it's the you know you, you're trying to balance up an imbalance if that makes any sense. You know, as we saw earlier on, we was earlier on in the season we were full of attacking intent. You know, players scoring sometimes missing. You know, lots of possession, lots of chances, and now and not not looking so solid at the back. And now we look very solid at the back, but we're lacking. You know, the attacking intent, uh, the chances, and the assists. It's uh, it, it's a it's a decision for a man who's getting very well paid, uh, like we all know. And like Dean said earlier, a very intelligent man who, who's had certain formations uh, uh, with certain clubs that we've all noticed over the years. So excited, it's, it's going to be exciting to see what he comes up with. Uh, you know, I've, I, you know, I've, I've a little bit of blind faith in, 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 in him to, uh, you know, to come up with something. But, you know, I can only go on what I've seen at the moment and eight or nine games in, it hasn't changed. You know, we're not making the chances and we're not looking very good attacking-wise. So, again, he's, he's, he's got some thoughts to think of because, like Dean or Jack said earlier, sooner or later, you know, us not being in the top four, we're going to have to go for it and we're going to have to really start, you know, opening our game up even more. Yeah, fair enough. I guess one final point I didn't really mention. Tommy Abraham didn't make the bench today. Whether or not he would have actually made a huge difference in this game, I'm not sure. But, Jack... Uh, three wing backs on the bench, including you know two of them on left wing back side. You know Billy Gilmore can't even get off the bench. You know he didn't go on loan. Thoughts? Um, that that baffles me to be honest. How he's how he's got Emerson and and Alonso on the bench and no Tammy. Um, yeah, you you can say he might not have had much impact because he has at the end of the day realistically he has been poor in the games that he's been given an opportunity, but. Not not to have him on the bench, I, I don't know. It's an, it's another statement, isn't it? It's like last week with Callum being subbed off. Um, whether it gets a reaction out of him, we'll have to see. Um, but today I thought it, it had the potential to be one of those games where where he could have been useful. And especially with with Giroud having played midweek, like we said, I think with him you need to pick your pick your moments with Giroud because of his age, because he lacks the legs. And I thought Tammy could have given the likes of Maguire a tough time today running in behind. But I don't know, strange strange one for me. Um, we'll just hope to, hopefully it'll be like the Callum one where he gets a bit of kick, kick, up, kick up the backside. But I don't know. Uh, Dean, sort of just a one-off or, you know, kind of slightly wrong with the fact we had three wing-backs on the bench and there's no space. Maybe not even just for time for father, you know, Billy Gilmore's not gone out on loan and he's got Euros coming up for Scotland, you know, probably a once in a lifetime opportunity given, you know, for Scotland. So is, is it perhaps worrying and disappointing for you that we have someone like Emerson on the bench instead of Tammy or, or Billy? Yeah, definitely. You know, just pick one of them because they're not going to bring both of them on in one game. You know, and I'm not the biggest fan of Tammy, as you might have already guessed, but. He's one of only two centre-forwards that we've got. So he's got to be on the bench or on the pitch because there's only two strikers. So one of them's on the pitch, one's on the bench. And to not have him, that's what's you know screaming out, we're trying not to lose rather than trying to win. And especially for Billy, he should have gone out on loan. I don't know why. They, if he's keeping him, he's got to play him. Even if he's on the bench, bring him on. But, you know, he, he wasn't alive when Scotland last made the Euros and this might be the only opportunity he gets and he won't get in the squad if he's not playing any football. So, you know, questions, definitely questions to ask about Tuchel, what he's doing with the squad, with that bench. Yeah, 
Dane again, so sim I guess anything to add, you know, seems a bit bit odd, you know, in fact I'll just get the sort of bench uh graphic up here. He had Reese James, Kurt Zuma, Emerson and Marcus Alonso on the bench. Jorginho was on the bench, you know, I guess for midfield cover. I mean he's got three attacking options in Havertz, Pulisic and Werner. Playing out of nine. Play- yeah, uh that's one, two, three, four, five, six. Yeah, out of nine. So out of those nine you've got four of them are defenders and one of them's a goalkeeper. It's like the balance of the team then, isn't it? You know, more defenders and more than less attackers. Uh, that tells me one thing, really, that have they had words uh, behind doors? Have they had a bit of a falling out? Uh, without naming names, a, a group, I won't say his name just in case he doesn't want to be to- uh, mentioned either way, but a group that we're in, me and Dean, someone alluded to, one of, one of the Chelsea players being really upset and really off his game at the moment. He wasn't happy with the sacking of the previous manager and he's not happy with uh, how certain senior players have all started playing. Again, uh, well, if that's going on behind behind the scenes, you don't know if then Tammy as well is is a little bit frustrated. Uh, I remember having conversations uh, with, with a good May United friend regarding Lukaku. Now, Tammy is not as clinical as Lukaku, but very similar to my Man United friend. Every time he would slag off Lukaku, Lukaku would go and score. And every time I, you know, I start, I'll, I'll be watching Tammy and I'll criticise him, he'll, he will score. So I promise never to crit- criticise him again, even though I can see where, where people's frustrations come from with him and his game. Uh, sometimes he can look very awkward. He, you know, he doesn't attack spaces. And then he'll just like, tap one in and make me look like an idiot. Uh, but I think there's more to come with Tammy and I would have had him on the bench because, uh, you know, he, he does give you 110%. He, he's got a similar attitude to Mason, you know, loves the club and you get a different element from, from players who have been there from such a young age. So I would have had him on the bench. You don't, he clearly doesn't fancy Emerson in, in football in terms. I don't know why Emerson is on the bench when you've got Alonso. So Matt Law, I think Matt Law at the beginning of the game said Tammy was struggling with an ankle, but then too cool. You know, contradicted that by saying he was, uh, you know, it's my decision. I can only have, I can only, I can only have nine players like this. That's not enough. Uh, and uh, it was a decision to make. But also, again, agreeing with Dean and without going on too much, I'd have Billy on there. You know, he's, you know, he's, a, he's a forward thinker. He's an attacking passer. You know, he hits spaces with his passes, and I really like what I've seen from him. He gives you something else in that double six pivot. So I'd have had him there as, as well as Tammy. Yeah, fair enough. I think I agree with all of your points there. Hopefully, this is sort of just perhaps a one-off from Tuchel. I'd like to see you know more someone certain like Billy get more game time, especially seeing he's not gone out alone. And I feel we're perhaps reaching a more important part of Billy's career where he needs minutes. And as we say with Tammy, we'll have to see. Obviously, the story came out, but he's still no close to signing a new contract. Mm-hmm. Also, you know, comes out with the Haaland links at a similar time. So maybe put two and two together and maybe, you know, we're, you know, we're not towards the end game of Tammy because his contract's not up till 2023, but we're, we're getting there. But say, hopefully this is sort of just a one-off. Hopefully maybe it sparks a reaction from Tammy and we see him in that squad for Liverpool mid-week. Right, that wraps up this episode of that Chelsea podcast. Not the perhaps most two thrilling games to look through, but we got, you know, a win and a draw, which is never that bad. Uh, Dean, firstly, thank you for coming on. Thank you for returning to the pod like i did at the start of a pod i'll get you to to drop your your twitter twitter handle and obviously your you know your went to mokings meta podcast for people to check out yeah no thanks for having me uh back on sort of a, one of my favorite podcasts to listen to so um 
to be on it um, is, a, is a joy. Yeah, follow me at Dean Mears, uh, at Mo Kings Meadow for the Chelsea Women's Podcast. Uh, I'm in TFC UK and I'm on Chelsea Fancast as well. So, you know, just check those out and, yeah, interact. Nice one, nice one. And Dane, as, like, at the beginning, where can people follow you on Twitter? Yeah, first of all, yeah, thank you for having me on. It's nice to see you and uh, you and Jack visually instead of messaging through DMs on, on Instagram. Uh, yeah, I'm at dwit9 on Twitter. That's more of a, uh, you know, it's more personal. You know, I'll, I'll, I'll put the, the old Chelsea Fancast on, but you could obviously follow us at chelseafancast.com. And obviously put a bit of a plug for a show. You know, the show, you know, we do a big show on Monday nights where sometimes you'll get me and Dean on where we review the matches from all over the weekends. We have a preview show on a Friday night where, where Chidge will get an opposition view in and, you know, some a journalist as well. This is a really good show. It's a really good setup. Obviously, you know, we've got the sidecar with Dean doing a fantastic job on the went to Mo King's Meadow now all about our fantastic women's team. I know Chidge has also got plans to bring back the 50 years of Chelsea, which was celebrating obviously the last 50 years uh, and just going through each season individually. Uh, he also did, done a couple of episodes of my Chelsea where he would interview someone and they would talk for an hour. So that's all you can obviously all get that from all the major podcast distributors. And if you want to re- interact with me on Chelsea Fancast, then uh, I obviously run the Instagram account uh, and it's obviously at ChelseaFancast.com. And, you know, I try and do as much as I can and I will always reply to you, I'll always interact with you. And I, I really enjoy it. And it's nice having conversations with different people with different views and and, and meeting people we're nice when we when this world gets back to normal we can finally meet and have a have a nice cold pint or a guinness together and swap stories and shake hands and cuddles and whatever else you want <laughs> <laughs> yeah uh, brilliant brilliant sort of description of each other's fan cast there from dane and look i echo that completely chidge and the gang were probably part of the reason you know the inspiration for starting this podcast obviously you know since since we've been in the pandemic podcast that's all just popped up out of everywhere but the fan cast was certainly one that I've, I've listened to for a while and they get a great range of guests they're great guests on you know you know get people they go to the games with so you get that camaraderie and you know some of the emails and stories that get sent in as well to the show thoroughly recommend checking out and as I said you will get you know journalists on on a Friday night sometimes on on the Monday night show you know the likes of you Liam Twomey's etc so it is a really really good show guys you know i'll leave the as i said at the beginning i'll leave all their socials in the description and yeah if you like us you know you i think you'll definitely like the chelsea fancast it's you know perhaps perhaps just a bit longer episode wise <laughs> than us um but yeah you'll definitely love what what chidge and jk and the rest of them get up to on the show so that can't recommend it enough it's definitely one of my favorite chelsea podcasts to listen to and one i always look forward to listening to when it's out so make sure you check them out as for us we're on instagram at that chelsea pod on twitter at that chelsea pod we're available on all your usual podcast platform providers if you like us you can leave us a review on apple Podcasts. that helps us a lot if this is your first time listening you know please pass it on to friends let us know what you thought always happy to receive feedback and uh, until the next episode everybody keep the blue flag flying high sports social podcast network